Life is full of challenges. With an unpredictable economy and just as surprising life changes, you need to be prepared to weather any storm. Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney Kevin Tharp and Financial Advisor Gary Anderson are available to help you with life's difficult decisions. This is Truth in Planning. Are your taxes going to go up in 2026? I'm Gary Anderson, Financial Advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney. Kevin, I'm going to make a prediction here that most people out there listening right now, your taxes are going to go up January 1st of 2026. Well, how do I know that? Well, the reason I know it, and it also gives you a good idea of my confidence in our elected officials in extending things, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act sunsets December 31st, of 2025. So what does that mean? Well, back in 2017, this act was passed. It was signed into legislation by uh, Donald Trump. We got a tax break, and we've been getting this tax break now for five years, and it's going to go a couple more years, and we've kind of really gotten used to that tax break that we've gotten because everybody, for the most part, everybody across the board got their taxes reduced, but that's not permanent. It was that this act sunsets December 31st of 2025. And if the, if our elected officials choose not to extend it, then we're going to see our taxes go up. Unfortunately, if you're retired, it's really going to affect you more than it will a lot of other people because Let's say you've been retired for several years. You've gotten used to the taxes in your retirement that you're having to pay. And now you're telling me that, okay, now more of my money is going to go away. It's going to be going to the government, which means less money for me to spend. Yes, that could be very well what's going to happen. And I just have all ideas. The probability is great that this tax act will expire and we're going to be paying more. For retirees, this has to be a part of our overall financial plan for retirees. When we set up a retirement plan for people, this is one of the things that we have to consider. We have to consider taxes in retirement. And last week I talked about some of the pleasant and unpleasant surprises. I'm going to, go, I'm going to continue that this week because we have a few more unpleasant surprises as well as pleasant surprises when it comes to taxes in retirement. But this is one of the realities that we have as well, is this Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which will go away, which will actually expire most likely then. We have to be ready for it. That's our job. As advisors, we have to be ready when we plan your retirement income for you. Another unpleasant surprise is the potential IRA rollover tax pitfalls. Well, what, what could that possibly be? Well, potentially, and I've seen people make these mistakes before, let's say you've been working all these years, you had a 401k, a 403b, a 457, a thrift savings plan. You've been putting money into this thing. It's grown. I love the way these things have grown over the years. This, the, the, this, the concept of the 401k has been really very successful for a majority of the people in the working environment. Because you're able to save all this money all these years for your retirement, and you have a lot of control with it. So as opposed to the old pensions, 
didn't have much control there. You have a lot of control with what you do with your 401k, your 403b, your 457. And this is where, again, a plan has to come in place. There has to be a, to be a discipline as to the way, you, the way you take money from these accounts, knowing that you're going to pay taxes on every bit of it. But this control that you have means that you do have the ability to not pay all these taxes at one time, to have lump sums coming out of these accounts and then have to pay the taxes on that every single year when you could have planned other ways to disperse that over a longer period of time. And that's what a retirement financial plan is all about. We're talking about taxes and the reality that taxes are likely to go up, especially during our retirement. And I'm talking with Gary Anderson, financial advisor of Anderson Advisors today. And Gary, I know that none of us can get into a business of predicting things that Congress will or will not do. But the likelihood is, is that most people are preparing for there's going to be a tax hike. It may not be substantial like going back to 2005 rates, but given the rate in which our government is spending money, they're having to collect it from all different sources. And so this is something I think that everybody needs to be prepared for as a part of their retirement. It's going to go up. Right. And it is going to affect everybody, Kevin. I don't care what people say, you know, about the wealthiest 1% or 10% or whatever you want to call it today, having to pay more in taxes. It always trickles down to all the rest of us. Always does. So be ready for it. Even people who are getting Social Security, people who are retired, can expect to pay more. When I talk about the rollover tax pitfalls of a 401k, it's very easy, if you're not careful, to all of a sudden have an enormous tax burden on your hands that you didn't expect. Let's say you go to retire, you turn all your notifications in to your HR department telling them, this is when I plan on doing this. Would you please make sure that I'm ready to do it? Make sure my 401k is in a position to where I can carry the funds with me, maybe set up an IRA. And so you get this form, and the HR department could help you fill out the form. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes you have somebody in the HR department that really doesn't know what they're doing with it. I've seen this happen on a couple of occasions over the past few years where someone with a 401k comes in with a check. They come in with the proceeds from their 401k that's been cashed out. And they went ahead and paid the taxes on it. So that's pretty much a done deal when they've done that. But they paid an enormous percentage of that big distribution in taxes because they took all the money out at one time. And the problem is they didn't know they were going to do that. They didn't know how this works. And they just went along with what somebody else told them. And now they got this enormous 1099 coming to them that they never, ever dreamed they would have. And you either you withheld taxes on the distribution or you're going to pay a whole lot of taxes when it comes tax time. That's an issue. And this is something we always ask people to let us take a look at. And if, you, if you're somebody out there that's getting ready to do that now, give us a call. We'll be glad to help you through the form that you could fill, need to be filling out. We don't charge for it. 
it's important that you get this right, and we are willing to help you do that. Like, but most financial advisors should be, just to make sure that you don't have this incredibly bad tax bill, just because you checked the wrong block on a four hundred one k distribution. Sometimes it can be, Gary. I would think like preparing for a storm that could come up. You don't. You can't say, "Oh, well, there's going to tornado is going to hit tomorrow, or hurricane's going to hit uh, next Wednesday." But you know, given the circumstances in the environment, that you can prepare for that. If that does happen, you can be prepared for it. Well, and that's the the, the main reason that you can be prepared for, it, and the main reason you can do it right is there are people who can help you do this. And please, don't turn a form in. If you're retiring, don't turn this 401k retirement form back in, the selections that you're, the elections you're going to take with it, until you've talked to someone about it to see whether you're doing the thing that you want to do for yourself. Because sometimes there are all these options there because these different options could fit a lot of different people but if you want to do it a certain way, if you want to take your money from your 401k and move it to an IRA and avoid a huge tax problem, then there's a way to do it. There's a way to fill out the form. We'll be happy to help you do that. And as far as meeting with us goes, you can always call us at 888-371-2847. Anderson Advisors, you can see us at our website, gary-anderson.com. And we'd be glad to have you come in and, and uh, get, have a conversation with you. Coming up next, we're going to talk about access. Access. When is it needed? I'm Kevin Tharp, Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, Financial Advisor, Anderson Advisor. Gary we get a number of calls on a regular basis and a lot to do with this radio show and the advertisements on this radio station and this uh, the newsletters I sent out and the blogs and everything I do uh, generates a lot of those calls and a huge percentage of those calls are people calling because something's happened to their loved one and the question that surviving spouses or children or grandchildren the question they're asking and it could be our clients or most of the time it's new clients it's prospective clients and they're calling because they need access and one of the most common reasons that people call us needing that access is something's happened to their loved one and the first something that happened that we happens that we find that people are calling is incapacity and we're I'm finding a lot of this incapacity is happening very suddenly somebody falls and hits their head boom overnight there's incapacity I think about my mother's situation mm -hmm. and so people are scrambling to try to help that individual it might be their spouse it might be their children or grandchildren or a friend that's helping and they need access. Maybe because they're trying to sell the house to come up with money to pay for the assisted living. Maybe they've been told they got to sell the house because their loved one's in a nursing home, which you don't have to do, by the way. So people are calling about access primarily 
because of incapacity. And I would say the other half of people that are calling about access is something's happened to their loved one. And they need to get access for something as simple as we're at the funeral home and we need to pay the funeral bill and nobody can get to the bank account. And all of a sudden, everybody, when those things happen, everybody that had advice, including the lawyer, well, I thought we had everything taken care of because we had a will, but we can't get to the bank account just because my spouse has a stroke or we can't help make health care decisions because... All we have is a will, and that's not enough. Or somebody dies, and they said, hey, you know, you don't, the people at the bank said, uh, you know, well, you don't need a trust. Just keep it in your name okay. or keep it joint. Something's happened to you and your spouse, and now your kids are trying to get access to it, and nobody can get access to it. And all of a sudden, everybody who had advice on what you should or shouldn't do is now shut everything down, and nobody can get access. Or you're trying to get access to do something like, hey, I want to, I want to uh, d do a reverse mortgage on my home. I typically don't recommend that, but I have people that call, and they find out that they can't do a reverse mortgage. They want to stay at home, but they can't do a reverse mortgage. Why? Because they gave up ownership. They put things in an irrevocable trust, and now all of a sudden nobody's talking to them. We can talk to your kids, but we can't talk to you because... It's in an irrevocable trust. You don't have access anymore. So what is access? Well, access is simply this, Gary, being able to get to your stuff. It's your assets. You should be able to get to your bank accounts, get to your house, use your house, pay your property taxes, register for agricultural covenants or conservation easements or whatever you want to do regarding your property taxes. You should be able to get a senior school tax exemption if you live in a county like Hall County that gives you that. You should be able to get access to your stuff. But if you give up ownership, you lose access. So here's one thing I want everybody to listen to and remember. You will always have access. You will always have it as long as you keep ownership. If you follow the advice that many out there recommend to protect your assets, to get government benefits like veteran benefits or even Medicaid, you got to put your assets in an irrevocable trust or you got to put your assets in somebody else's name. If you give up ownership, you lose access. That simple. If you share ownership, like many people at the banks and financial advisors will recommend, put your children's name on your bank account and something happens to your child like a divorce, their divorcing spouse can tie up your account and you lose access, even though it just may be temporary. So you will always have it as long as you keep up ownership. You're listening to Truth and Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors, and my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney, today is discussing access. Access to what you you naturally have access of and making sure that that access is available anytime. And Kevin, that's part of the plan. And I know you do these, this type of planning for people and it's important to be able to have access to what belongs to you. And people, here's when you need it. That's exactly right. You should always be able to get to your stuff when you need it. And here's where you're going to need it. I found universally there are two situations where you or others are going to need access. 
Number one, your incapacity. If you're married, your spouse doesn't automatically have access to everything of yours. My wife does not have access to my medical records, even though we've been married now for almost 30 years. Just because she's my spouse. She doesn't have access to my IRA or 401k at work just because she's my spouse. So when are you going to need it? In capacity. So make sure that you have a plan in place that gives you, where you keep access and you give others access when they need it, such as incapacity. And what I found gives, solves that, checks off that box, you'll have access when you need it and others need it, is a revocable living trust. Because a revocable living trust is a document that says, I always want to have access because I always keep uh, ownership. But I want my wife to have access, and I want my adult child to have access, or I want my siblings to have access. And I authorize them to have that access as trustees in that document. But I'm still in control, and I'm still in charge as long as I have capacity. But if I suddenly become incapacitated, then I don't have to run up to the court, or they don't have to run up the court and get permission or get a letter from a doctor, they can step in and start using that access, but they have to use it for me. Their access is limited to taking care of me and using it for me. And so I know that others will have access when they need it and not have to take extra steps. And that's what you get with the revocable living trust. Okay? Here's the other situation you'll need it when you die. Now, you're not going to need it. <laughs> But others are going to need it. There are many decisions and many things that have to be done. The chief thing is your document says, here are the people I want to get my stuff when I die. In order for that to happen, in order to pass title, somebody's going to need access to pass those things, to pass title. Well, who has access when you die? Well, if you have things titled in a revocable trust, your trustee has access and they don't have to take any extra steps like probate. They don't have to go through the probate process and file the probate paperwork and in some cases get a judge's permission before they have access and uh, prove to the judge how they use their access. All of those things are part of the probate process. And not only that, they don't have to go through the public process of probate. When you have a revocable living trust, when you die with a revocable living trust, you eliminate probate because your wishes, I want so-and-so to carry out my wishes when I die. Here are my beneficiaries. Here's who I want to get things and how I want them to get it. They have access to it because you've titled assets in coordination with your wishes. Kevin, if I want to get my assets coordinated with what my wishes, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Through my website, Gary, Kevin Tharp, T-H-A-R-P-E dot com. Next up, pleasant tax surprises during your retirement.
a pleasant surprise. Favorable capital gains taxes during retirement. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. Kevin, capital gains taxes, I think, sometimes are very much misunderstood by people unless you've been subject to it over the years with selling property, real estate, houses, things like that. Because capital gain, a capital gain in and of itself, is the profit that you make on something that you sell, an investment that you sell. That can be real estate. It can be rental property. It can be your main home. Capital gain is when you made money, made a profit over what you paid for it. Now you've sold it, and now you're going to realize the profits from it. That can be taxed. It can be. A house, well, if it's your primary residence, there's a good chance that you won't be paying any capital gains taxes on that. So you don't really experience that a lot with real estate, although we've seen more of it the past few years because of the way houses have gone up in price so quickly. We're seeing a little bit more of it. But for the most part, assume that you don't have a whole lot of capital gains and capital gains taxes to pay on your primary residence. Any other property, though, you're front and center. You're going to pay taxes on the profit you made. Less any expenses and things like that that you did to prepare that property, you're going to pay taxes on that, a capital gains tax. The good thing about capital gains taxes, though, is that it's not at the same rate as your income tax. It's not an ordinary income tax rate. So capital gains is a way to have to pay taxes on a profit or something money that you made, but not at the same rate that you normally do with your ordinary income. So that's a good thing. That's one favorable thing about taxes in retirement is that your gains on your Let's say your brokerage account, not your IRA, because there aren't, there's no such thing as capital gains or capital gains taxes on an IRA. All the money you take out is taxed as ordinary income. But on your other brokerage accounts, things like that, there's a good chance that you've got a profit there. Even though markets have been down lately, there's a good chance that you still had a profit because the markets did so well for so long. Ten years or more, the markets were up. You go to sell these things, let's say, to help provide retirement income, then you're paying less in taxes on that. And sometimes, Kevin, you don't really have to pay capital gains taxes at all on your investments. For instance, in 2023, if you're a married couple filing jointly and your taxable income, including capital gains earnings, is $83,350 or less, you won't owe any capital gains taxes. So if my income, my taxable income is $83,350 or less as a married couple, and I sell, let's say I sell an investment that I had a $100,000 profit on, a $100,000 gain, then because of my income being at that level, I don't have to pay taxes on that. That's a pleasant surprise for a lot of people. In 2023, that's exactly what you can do. This tends to go up over the years, the amount of income you can make to be able to not have to pay capital gains. But it's a great opportunity when it comes to retirement because now you've got a source of income potentially there that you might not be paying any taxes on whatsoever, and you might have thought you were going to have to pay taxes. So we start to blend something like that, selling an investment, taking advantage of the capital gain situation that you have, 
to offset other forms of income that you'll have to pay taxes on, like your traditional IRA, your 401k. That, again, is part of an overall plan. That's why we want to put a plan together, a retirement income plan together for people who so we can make sure that you're not paying too much in taxes in one area just because you didn't know about the areas where you have a nice, pleasant surprise like capital gains taxes. Another area, another pleasant surprise is the Roth IRA, Kevin. And Roth IRAs, um, people hear that word a lot. I'm going to explain in just a minute basically what a Roth IRA is and how it helps you tax-wise. You're listening to Truth and Planning, and I'm talking with my co-host, Gary Anderson, financial advisor of Anderson Advisors, and he's talking about some pleasant surprises in retirement. And Gary, I, I appreciate you distinguishing that capital gains is a tax, but it's tax on a profit, because I get calls on a regular basis when people sell their home or someone dies and they pass a home or other investments along to their children and their children sell it and they're told, oh, you sold the house for $300,000. You're paying taxes on that $300,000. But they don't realize that you're not paying. And the people are told this by surprisingly by many CPAs. And sometimes they're even told this, oh, you're paying capital gains taxes on that sales price because you got it through a trust. And none of that changes that rule that capital gains is a tax on the profit, and profit is the difference between what you sold it for and what you bought it for. That's right, Kevin. And for estate planning purposes, that is a very valid point. If you're inheriting these things, might be capital gains, surely won't be as much as your parents might have paid, but you you might not have any capital gains taxes to pay at all because of the step-up. But when it comes to other pleasant surprises. One thing I mentioned earlier, the Roth, Roth IRA, and Medicare IRMA. How is that related? Distributions from a Roth IRA and Medicare IRMA. Well, number one, what is IRMA, Medicare IRMA? That's when, because of your income, you're having to pay more for your Medicare premiums. You're having to pay a higher premium for your Medicare, and some people are paying quite a good bit higher rates in their premiums. That, that indicates a good thing because you're paying, pay, making enough taxable income that you can, you'll can you have to pay more for your Medicare. But it really does come as a surprise to people that sometimes the income you're getting isn't counted towards Medicare IRMA. One of those sources of income that you can draw from if you have this, this, this type of uh, account is a Roth IRA. Sometimes you've converted money from a traditional over to a Roth when tax tax situations were favorable. So now you've maybe accumulated money in a Roth over the years in addition to your traditional IRA. Or maybe you had a, a Roth 401k, which is becoming more and more prevalent now in the workplace. And I do remind people, always find out if your employer offers a Roth 401k option to your 401k. Sometimes you're contributing to both. But the Roth, the reason you have money in the Roth and put money there is it will accumulate and it will accumulate over time just like your traditional did. The only difference being you don't pay taxes when you take that money out. And so that is not counted as taxable income. So when we put together a retirement financial plan for you, we consider things like this. What's taxable income? What's not? We know the Roth. 
if we start moving money from that to provide income during our retirement, it's not going to be taxable. Well, it's not going to be taxable. Therefore, since it's not considered taxable income, you don't have to pay more for your Social Security and or for, for your Medicare. And think about this. A lot of people don't realize you're paying anything for Medicare at all until you retire, and then you realize you are paying for that insurance. You're paying for that Medicare insurance. Still a pretty good deal, but it's there, and the more money you make, the more it, you will, more, more your Social Security premium is going to cost. The difference being your, the money you make from a Roth is not going to be factored into that, which is a big deal. Sometimes it's a little bit of income from a Roth. It's a little bit of income from a traditional or other sources. That helps mitigate. It starts mitigating your tax liability when it comes to your retirement years. And that's important, Kevin, because we've got to be able to live and every dollar that we pay in taxes, guess what? That's a dollar we can't spend for the grandchildren or on a trip or whatever else we want to do during our retirement. It takes a dollar right out of your pocket. So, Gary, how can our listeners hear some more of that pleasant news when it comes to uh, those pleasant surprises in their retirement? Kevin, we'll be glad to have a conversation with you about retirement planning, financial retirement planning. You can come in and talk to us. It's a free consultation. 888-371-2847 is our number. We'll be glad to have you come in. Coming up, we're going to talk about access. How do you get it? Access. How do I get it? I'm Kevin Tharp, Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, Financial Advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, we talked about in the previous segment how important access is. When is it needed? We talked about the two situations that we help clients and we prepare our clients for when they're going to need that access. And the first situation is incapacity. When somebody becomes incapacitated, Others need to step in and help them with their affairs, especially with financial affairs. And so how do you get uh, access if you become incapacitated? Well, that's why we like starting with a revocable living trust, because you will always have access to your stuff as long as you keep ownership of your stuff. So this is the kind of trust that doesn't cause you to give up ownership. A revocable living trust does not cause you to give up ownership. So you will always have access to your stuff. Be very cautious and mindful of using an irrevocable trust because you give up access yourself. You have to go through others now uh, in order to get access when you use an irrevocable trust. So we do not recommend irrevocable trust for that reason alone. We don't recommend sharing ownership of assets because you'll lose access to your stuff uh, if something happens to one of those other people that you give access to. So revocable trust lets you keep ownership, it lets you have access, and it lets you authorize those you trust when you want them to have access, which is the first point would be if you become incapacitated. You can even put in your revocable trust and let them how incapa your incapacity is defined. 
So they don't have to go get a letter from a doctor or uh, anything like that. They don't have to go get a court order in order to get access. The other situation we talked about is when you die. People need to get to your stuff when you die in order to follow your wishes. And if those wishes are in a will, then people are going to have to go through the extra step of probate in order to get that access. So, But if you use a revocable trust, you go ahead and title your assets in coordination with that trust. And while you're living, you keep ownership. And when you die, because you've already taken care of title, you got title and wishes coordinated together, then you eliminate the need for probate and access continues and there's no extra steps like probate. In certain situations, you don't even need a death certificate to have access. So that's why we recommend a revocable living trust. That's how you can get access so that you can help your spouse or your parents or your grandparents and help them manage their assets. Gary, there's another uh, way you can get it, and that is to have a financial power of attorney. Because, Gary, there are certain types of assets that you can't put in a trust while you're living like you do your house or your bank accounts. Your home and your bank accounts are those type of assets where you can make your revocable title them in the name of your revocable trust. But there are certain types of assets. You've talked a lot about uh, these types of assets on your show. It's an integral part of a person's retirement plan, and that are their retirement accounts. It can be a 401k. It can be an IRA, a regular IRA, a Roth IRA. It can be a 403b. Uh, all of those retirement accounts must stay in a person's individual name. You cannot put them in a trust while you're living. There's no way around that. It has to stay in your name. So if I have a 401k at my at my company and I become incapacitated because of a car wreck or I fall and hit my head, how does Missy get access to my 401k? I have a financial power of attorney in addition to my revocable living trust. And that financial power of attorney authorizes Missy even though she's my wife, access to my 401k. And if she's not able to do it, maybe it's my adult daughter. Maybe it's my uh, sibling, my brother, or, or somebody else that I've chosen as a backup. That financial power of attorney gives her access when she needs it. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors, and my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney today, is talking about giving access. And Kevin, I think the main thing that you're getting across to me here is there's probably a right way and a wrong way to give people access to the things you have. That's right. And the worst way to give somebody access is make them have to go through the probate court and get guardianship or conservatorship. That's why we tell people, do a revocable living trust, have a financial power of attorney. Now, Gary, there's another situation where people will need access, and that's for my health care, your health care. If you become incapacitated, maybe it's because of a car wreck, maybe it's because of uh, dementia or declining uh, health or whatever other reasons, you want others that you trust to be able to assist you in making medical decisions and healthcare decisions and about where you live 
And none of that's going to be covered by a trust. None of that's going to be covered by financial power of attorney. So it's very important to have a health care power of attorney to cover and give those you trust authorization to assist you with your medical care in case you become incapacitated. And so that's why we, our clients have, in addition to a trust and a financial power of attorney, they have a health care power of attorney, or some people call it an advanced directive. You're giving your authorization in advance of your incapacity. And so somebody now has access to help you make health care decisions. Somebody has access to your retirement accounts, and somebody has access to your home and your banking accounts all because you have documents coordinated with the title of your assets. And a trust checks all of those off. Financial power of attorney checks all of those off. And a health care power of attorney checks all of those off. And that's the planning that we do for our client so they and others have access when they need it. And that's when somebody becomes incapacitated or somebody dies. And there are no extra steps like probate in order to get that access. Because here's what happens when you don't have a complete estate plan, when you don't have a revocable trust with your wishes coordinated together with that trust. You don't have a financial power of attorney. You don't have a health care power of attorney. You don't have a living will. Here's what happens. When something happens, your incapacity then probate is involved. That's what we call living probate. That's what's called getting a guardianship or getting a conservatorship. So somebody has authorization. So you don't have that with a will. And so many people will call me and tell me something's happened to my parent or something's happened to my spouse. And we thought we had everything done because we have a will. That document alone is not enough. You have to have additional things, and that's what we do for our, pl- our clients is we prepare them for access. And here's something else that's real important to understand. If you have moved to the state of Georgia from another state and you have a trust or a power of attorney for health care or power of attorney for finances, you do not automatically have to get new ones when you move to another state. Your estate planning documents done in another state are perfectly valid in the state of Georgia. Gary, there is a statute that says if your power of attorney, if your trust, if your living will, if your will was done in another state and that document complies with that state law requirements, in that state. So you did a will in Florida, you did a trust in Florida, or you did a power of attorney in Florida. If it meets Florida requirements, it's perfectly good here in Georgia. You do not have to get all of those updated. So the only time you really need to update documents is if your wishes has changed. Otherwise, you don't have to get these documents updated. And even if you did them 50 years ago, they're still valid. So estate planning documents are good as long as they meet that state's requirements. You don't have to get them updated just because you moved here from another state. The right access to my things? How do I get in touch with you? Best way, Gary, is through my website, kevintharp.com. 
Investment advisory services are offered through Anderson Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. Anderson Advisors is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investments involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Any reference to protection, safety, and lifetime income generally refers to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the strength and paying capabilities of the insurance carrier. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. You should consult with a financial advisor to help determine the best options for your particular circumstances. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not endorsed by the United States government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions construed herein presented by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Gary Anderson nor Anderson Advisors is affiliated with attorney J. Kevin Tharp or any guests on this show. Thank you.